We'd like to thank Notre Dame Federal Credit Union for helping to underwrite the Building Through Him podcast. In the last year alone, Notre Dame FCU served more than 800 parishes, schools, and nonprofits in more than 25 dioceses nationwide. Learn more at NotreDameFCU.com. Hello, welcome to the Building Through Him podcast. I'm Mary Jo Parrish, founder of Kingdom Builders, and today's episode is Just Be Held. And just so you know, you are always loved and always welcome here. So I always like to start off with some funny stories that get us in the mood for joy, right? So we had these monks over for dinner. After we ate, we we're sitting around and um, we we're about to pray rosary. And one of the monks says, Mary Jo, why don't you let some of your kids lead a decade? And I was like, oh, it's a great idea. So one of the kids who shall meet, who shall remain nameless, says, um, "Ali, Ali." And so um, this child begins with the Our Father. That came out wonderful. But when they got to the Hail Mary, it sounded like Hail Mary, It was like mumbling. You couldn't even make out the words except for Hell and Mary. It wasn't even Hail. It was just Hell. And I was mortified. And if you've prayed a rosary, you know that you have to listen to ten of those. I like was slowly squirming in shame. Luckily, the next child redeemed us. They knew the words properly. So we had to go over the exact words of the Hail Mary after that <laughs> very embarrassing lesson. I pray a lot of rosaries, especially in my car, because I'm always driving my kids to all these different places. And so I was praying a rosary and I heard this demon mocking me and it actually shook me up because I had no idea what could be mocking me in that way. And this is what it sounded like. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. It was a toy, one of my children's toys, but it was behind my seat. And so I didn't know it was there. So after being shake, shaken up, I was like, oh my gosh. And I like, got that stupid toy out. But then, you know, God and I had a good laugh about that. Sometimes at night, we'll do a litany of saints with our kids and in the process of doing that, sometimes we'll just say the first name of the saint and then let our little ones say like the title associated with it. When we get to the last one, St. Elizabeth Ann Seton, which is my confirmation saint, it doesn't sound like Sebastian saying St. Elizabeth Ann Seton. It sounds like he's saying St. Elizabeth and Satan. And here is part of that litany for you to enjoy. St. Clair of Assisi, pray for us. St. Patrick, pray for us. Blessed Stanley, Welfall, pray for us. St. Maximilian, Torby, pray for us. St. Catherine, Avashianana, pray for us. St. Elizabeth, and Satan, pray for us. All holy men and women, pray for us. So, St. Elizabeth and Satan, even when we mess up the words, right, Our Lady cleans them up before she gives them to the Father, so we can just rest in that. We can just giggle and our children's innocence, let them mess up because we know Our Lady just cleans it up. She loves us so much. Let's pray. Name the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked upon his handmaid's lowliness. Behold, from now on, all ages will call me blessed. The Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. 
His mercy is from age to age to those who fear him. He has shown might with his arm, dispersed the arrogant of mind and heart. He has thrown down the rulers from their thrones, but lifted up the lowly. The hungry he has filled with good things, the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped Israel his servant, remembering his mercy, according to his promise, to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his descendants forever. Amen. Name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So in Kingdom Builders, we always talk about our foundation. Our foundation is a minimum of 10 minutes of prayer. And a lot of times when we start that 10 minutes of prayer, we actually start to thirst for more, and then we end up going longer, but a minimum of 10 minutes of prayer. And then we go to church on Sundays, so it's a holy day, and we honor God. And then we're staying in a state of grace. So any serious sin that we're struggling with, we are finding a way to get out of it. Self-help group, the sacrament of confession, like whatever we need to do to be free of that sense, we're receiving all those graces. And then we build ourselves, build others, and build the church. And while we're living this life, right, we want to live it in God's will. And so we're asking the Holy Spirit to inspire us in our crown jewel strategy. That's plan, do, reflect, adjust. So Holy Spirit, come, inspire me. How do you want me to plan my week? And then you do that plan. And then you reflect, what brought me more peace or joy? What removed some of my peace and joy? And then you adjust each week. So we're taking the time to plan our week, to do it, to reflect it, and just always with the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So we're living inside God's will. Today's episode is Just Be Held. So we know that the dying words of any person are significant, right? So the last words of someone that was fully God and fully man— Jesus, are especially significant. What did he say while he was dying on that cross? He said a couple things, but this is the one we're focusing on. This is from John 19. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple there whom he loved, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his home. So, Jesus' last words, he gave St. John the Beloved his own mother. And when Jesus gave Mary to John, he gave her to all of us. So when we ask for Mary's prayers from heaven, like I was saying in the, the rosaries, we're asking for her intercession. That's called intercession, right? We're not worshiping her. We're actually asking for her prayers. And we ask as like a child would ask their mother for something. And for maybe some of you, it feels like bizarre or weird. If you're a Christian, even if you don't claim Mary as your mother, she claims you as her child. She does. And she's watchful and protective, and she always leads us to her son. So some of you will remember in Old Testament, King David, right, made lots of great decisions and some terrible decisions, but he was always repentant. So one of the things he did, he took Bathsheba as his wife. You know, there's a whole controversy going on with that. They eventually have a son that lives. His name is Solomon, and he takes the throne, right? He starts off as this wise king. So when Solomon became king after David's death, who was Solomon's queen? So this is the clue. In Jewish custom, they did not honor the wife of the king as the queen. And side note, Solomon had like many wives and prostitutes, so that would have been terrible, actually. Jewish custom honored 
the mother of the king as the queen. So, since Jesus is our king, who is our queen? Mama Mary, right? And when Solomon and the other Israelites honored Bathsheba, Solomon's mom, it was not worship. They were not worshiping her. They were just honoring her. They were loving her. And when we honor and love Mary, our mother, it's not worship either. It's just love. So there's a a prayer, Hail Holy Queen. There's also a song, Salve Regina. That means Hail Queen. And that's prayed at the end of a rosary or outside of the rosary. It's a beautiful prayer. We're going to go ahead and say that. Hail Holy Queen, Mother of Mercy, our life, our sweetness, and our hope. To you do we cry, poor banished children of Eve. To you do we send up our sighs, mourning and weeping in this valley of tears. Turn then, most gracious advocate, your eyes of mercy towards us. And after this, our exile, show unto us the blessed fruit of your womb, Jesus. O clement, O loving, O sweet Virgin Mary, pray for us, O Holy Mother of God that we may be worthy of the promises of Christ. So in that prayer, there's a section that talks about the sighs, the mourning, and the weeping. Due to we send up our sighs, mourning and weeping in this valley of tears. Such a striking line. It's so raw and real to talk about our sighs, our mourning, and our weeping. In that valley of tears that it discusses, it's an apt description of so many parts of living in this world. There's so many causes of sighs, mourning, and weeping in our world. There's the tears of frustration, tears of anger, tears of disappointment, tears of sadness, all these different types of tears. Everyone has their own valley of tears. I had a very close family member die last month. He was 59. Uh, He deeply loved Jesus. He was passionate. He was full of life. He was brilliant. He could just quote scripture like off the back of his hand. It was amazing. He had this spirit of adventure and joy that was like contagious. And he also battled addiction. There's a little poem by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. There was a little girl who had a little curl right in the middle of her forehead. And when she was good, she was very, very good. And when she was bad, she was horrid. And that was this family member. When he was sober, He led Bible studies. He preached at prayer groups. He could quote all these parts of the Bible, so much wisdom and love of the Lord. But when he was not sober, he created havoc. And witnessing his children mourn their daddy for both what he was and for what he never was has been one of the most profound heart-piercing moments of my life and continues to be when I keep that whole family in prayer. This is one of the struggles that I carry in my Valley of Tears, but I have many more because we all do, right? Our struggles are different, but we all have them. We all walk that Valley of Tears. So often the enemy tries to convince us that we're the only one who struggles. You're alone in your struggle. There's no one else. It's just you. You're the only one who has it this this hard. It's just a lie. We are all struggle in different ways, but we all walk that valley of tears. And when we're carrying those crosses, we can sometimes feel like everything's dependent on us. We are the ones that have to hold it all together. We're not allowed to have a bad day. We're not even allowed to be open about a struggle. Everybody needs us to be strong. But when we're walking in that valley and we're barely holding on, 
when we're on our knees and praying and answers just aren't coming or so far away, like that's the moment where God desires us to reach out and just be held. He desires us to call upon our heavenly parents. Because my brothers and sisters, we are created to be raised up by a heavenly father and a heavenly mother. Our heavenly parents sit upon heaven's throne and they're inviting us to claim our royal place as beloved sons and daughters of the king. So when we experience that discomfort, when we're walking that valley of tears, that is an invitation to take our mother's hand, our life, our sweetness, and our hope, and walk towards Jesus. Another part of that prayer is poor, banished children of Eve. That actually seems pretty depressing, does it not? Why are we poor, banished children of Eve? Why are we just banished? That just feels super harsh. It's because of the original sin of Adam and Eve, right? But actually, we can take comfort in that. It's weird, but you can. We walk this valley of tears. It's hard because we weren't made for the valley. That's why it's so hard. We were meant to walk with God side by side in a beautiful garden. Our hearts were actually made for heaven. That's why it feels so hard. So when we say, turn then, most gracious advocate, your eyes of mercy towards us, we claim Mary as our advocate as we walk through that valley. Mary has uh, many titles. One of the titles is Our Lady of Sorrows. And Our Lady of Sorrows understands our sorrow well because she too walked in that valley of tears. So let's look at some of those sorrows of Mary's. The first sorrow is the prophecy of Simeon. Simeon takes baby Jesus from Mary's arms and proclaims him as the Messiah and says to Mary, And you yourself a sword will pierce. And Mary ponders these things in her heart. Have you or a child that you love ever been given a difficult diagnosis? Has someone expressed their opinion about you that has caused you great anxiety? Your mama understands. She went through it too. And she just wants you to be held. Second sorrow of Mary is the flight to Egypt. Joseph hastily awakens Mary and relates the dream that he just had. They only have time to pack a few essentials, and then they flee with baby Jesus in the middle of the night to Egypt, right? Have you had to move and leave things or loved ones behind? Have you experienced a financial crisis or lived in poverty? Your mama understands. She went through it too, and she's with you, and she just wants you to be held. Third sorrow of Mary, the search for the child in Jerusalem. Terror seizes Mary's heart when she discovers that her 12-year-old son is missing. Like God's like, I entrusted you with my son, and you have lost him for three days. So after searching for those three days, Mary finally hears the sweet sound of Jesus' voice and runs to him in the temple. Do you have a child in your life that's lost? Does this child give you anxiety because you worry about their safety or well-being? Your mama understands. She went through it too. And she just wants you to be held. For sorrow, Mary meets Jesus on his way to the cross. So Mary sees Jesus carrying his cross. Their eyes meet. 
And in that moment where their eyes meet, it just speaks volumes of love to one another and that moment of anguish silence. Have you ever experienced pain from a lack of justice towards you or someone that you know? Have you been forced to just be present and watch them suffer because you were powerless to stop it? Your mama understands. She went through it too. And she just wants you to be held. The fifth sorrow, standing at the foot of the cross. When they reach the hill of execution, the cruel soldiers stretch Jesus' battered body upon the cross. John the Beloved is present to comfort Mary when Jesus gives John to his mother. Have you watched someone you love slowly waste away in pain and agony? Have you watched them die? Your mama understands. She went through it too, and she just wants you to be held. The sixth sorrow, the crucifixion and descent from the cross. Jesus' body is taken down from the cross and placed in Mary's arms. Many of you have seen the Pieta, so she's just holding her son there. She who had given birth to divinity now presses the bloodied and battered remains of his humanity close to her heart. Have you held a broken body of someone that you love? Have you cried out a deep guttural sob because their life was over too soon? Your mama understands. She went through it too. And she's with you. And she just wants you to be held. And the last sorrow, the seventh sorrow, assisting at the burial of Christ. Mary and the others prepare the body with great reverence. Mary is comforted by others as they roll the stone in front of the tomb. Have you watched the body of a loved one that was once so alive, a body you once touched and loved, be put into the earth and covered? Your mama understands. She went through it too, and she's with you, and she just wants you to be held. Mary shows us that we cannot avoid sorrow and suffering in this life. And we can claim our peace and joy amid those struggles. Because joy isn't a feeling. It's a state of being that results from one's love being totally united to God and being filled with the Holy Spirit. That's how Mary's joy remained constant, even amid her sorrows. Mary never allowed herself just to focus on her own pain and her own feelings. She united them to Jesus and embraced the divine. This quote is by Wilfred Steenson. Those who trust that God is guiding everything can never be frustrated. They are not disappointed because everything is just as it should be. Not in itself, far from it, but as the environment they are to live in, the divine environment. God invites us to live in that divine environment. We train our hearts and our minds more and more to trust him as we journey through the valley, and we rest in his will for our lives. Everything that happens, God allows. He doesn't want it, but he allows it because he knows the good that he can bring from it. Romans 8.28 is... Probably the Bible verse I repeat to myself more than any other Bible verse. We know that all things work for the good 
for those who love God. When our world feels like it's falling apart, we remember that we often only see a sliver of what is happening, like pieces. And sometimes they don't make sense. Like we have a corner or a side or a centerpiece of the puzzle, none of which connect. But when we trust God and His will for our lives, even when it feels like our world's falling apart, it's actually falling into place. God paints beauty with ashes. This is a quote from C.S. Lewis, Mere Christianity. It's probably one of my favorite non-biblical quotes of all time. So just rest in this. Imagine yourself as a living house. God comes in to rebuild that house. At first, perhaps, you can understand what he is doing. He is getting the drains right and stopping the leaks in the roof and so on. You knew that those jobs needed doing, and so you're not surprised. But presently, he starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts terribly and does not seem to make any sense. What on earth is he up to? The explanation is that he is building quite a different house from the one you thought of. Throwing out a new wing here, putting on an extra floor there, running up towers, making courtyards. You thought you were being made into a decent little cottage, but he is building a palace. He intends to come and live there in it himself. Oh, it's powerful. I've got goosebumps, like so high goosebumps from reading that quote. It's just so good. And it's just so true. We always talk about being builder, right? Because God's a builder. God is the builder. And he is more powerful than all the forces of evil. God took death itself and used it to redeem all of humanity. And he's continually taking all of creation, even the super broken stuff, and renewing it and redeeming it. And he desires us to rest in that divine environment of his soul. And he wants to rest in the divine environment of our soul. So to welcome him, we may need to do some renovation. It's a natural desire to want to avoid pain, right? That's how we know to keep ourselves safe. Oh, if I touch that and it's hot, I'm going to burn myself, right? We naturally want to avoid pain. But when we're walking in the hard parts of the Valley of Tears, we cannot hide from it. We are actually called to honor that discomfort, to enter into it. It's from Hebrews 12. Endure your trials as discipline. At the time, all discipline seems a cause not for joy, but for pain. Yet later, it brings the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who are trained by it. So the Lord is asking us to endure our trials as discipline, and that's pretty hard. But if you think of it as a training ground, of the Valley of Tears as a training ground, it's helpful, especially when we know that training ground is our pathway to the Father. So while we journey, we need to be brutally honest with the Lord about how we're feeling. The disappointment, the frustration, whatever it is, big or small, we give it to him. That helps us in that training ground and keeping relationship with him as we enter into that valley of tears and move towards him. So maybe we need to say like, God, my child is constantly sick. I am so exhausted. And I give my exhaustion to you, and I'm letting it go and allowing myself to just be held. Or maybe we might say, my husband's gone. Why did he die so young? I wasn't ready. I'm mad at you. 
I give you my pain, my anger, my loneliness. I'm letting it go and allowing myself to just be held. Where are all the good men? I want to be married and I want to have a family, Lord. I feel disappointed. Lord, I give you my desire and my disappointment. I'm letting it go and allowing myself to just be held. God's not surprised by our humanity. He created it. He's not surprised by it. So we can hold our mother's hand as we tell our father about it totally, honestly, totally vulnerably. Another quote from C.S. Lewis, Mental pain is less dramatic than physical pain, but it is more common and also more hard to bear. The frequent attempt to conceal mental pain increases the burden. It's easier to say, my tooth is aching, than to say, my heart is broken. Isn't it so true? Our tears have a purpose. Like physically, they do have a purpose. There are toxins in our body called lysosomes that can only be secreted through tears. So when we cry, toxins are literally leaving our body. And just like tears leaving our body, other things need to leave our body as well. If we try to avoid the pain and keep the pain inside, we're welcoming the enemy. Surrendering our pain to the Lord, handing it over to God, is the renovation that's necessary for Him to dwell within us. Expressing ourselves to God guards us against self-pity, bitterness, resentment, unforgiveness. And maybe you're like, well, I don't struggle with those things. Let's see what those spirits sound like, because I'm just going to be honest. When I looked up examples of self-pity, I was like, oh, I don't struggle with self-pity. And then I'm like, oh, yes, I do. I never even considered these things to be self-pity, but it's like, oh, yeah, that's self-pity. So this is what self-pity or unrighteous anger might sound like. Of course this happened. I am always disappointed. What's the point? I always lose anyway. Bad stuff always happens to me. I'm powerless to do anything about it. I deserve this. I deserve to suffer. One of my self-pity statements I'll say is, where are you, Lord? There are too many barriers. Where are you, Lord? Yeah, that's that's self-pity. So what about resentment, bitterness, and unforgiveness? It might sound something like, I'm the only one who does the dishes. No one even sees how much I do for this family. Of course she got the promotion. I did all the work, but their husbands play golf together. I will never work with her again on any project. This is from Luke 15. For all these years, I have been working like a slave for you, and I have never disobeyed your command, yet you have never even given me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. Remember the brother of the prodigal son? So even in scripture, we see self-pity happening. Let's get rid of that. Like, if any of those statements sounded even like a little bit like they have entered into your head and you've entertained them, you don't actually have to give Satan an in right there. Like, he gets no part of who you are. So we're just going to ask the Lord to remove that stuff. We're going to speak aloud because demons can't read our thoughts, and we're going to renounce and remove and receive. We renounce it, Jesus removes it, and then we receive the Father's blessing. I always like to think of it as pulling weeds. So let's pull some weeds. So you're just going to repeat after me. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I renounce the spirit of self-pity. I renounce the spirit of self-pity. 
In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I renounce the spirit of resentment. I renounce the spirit of resentment. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I renounce the spirit of bitterness. I renounce the spirit of bitterness. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I renounce the spirit of hopelessness. I renounce the spirit of hopelessness. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I renounce the spirit of unrighteous anger. I renounce the spirit of unrighteous anger. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I renounce the spirit of victim. I renounce the spirit of victim. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I renounce the spirit of unforgiveness. I renounce the spirit of unforgiveness. Whew. So we pulled those spirits. What about some lies? Let's get some lies out. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I renounce the lie that what I want doesn't matter. I renounce the lie that what I want doesn't matter. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I renounce the lie that I am alone. I renounce the lie that I am alone. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I renounce the lie that I am the only one who struggles. I renounce the lie that I am the only one who struggles. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I renounce the lie that God is not here with me right now. I renounce the lie that God is not here with me right now. Okay, so you pulled all those lies, you pulled all those spirits, and now we're just going to ask Jesus to take away. So, Jesus, Jesus, please take away these lies. Please take away these lies. Spirits, spirits, and any related spirits, and any related spirits. So Jesus got him in his wheelbarrow. He took him away. And now we have all these open places, and we're just going to ask the Father to fill us. Father, please bless me. Father, please bless me. Fill me with your joy. Fill me with your joy. Trust. Trust. Mercy. Mercy. Love. Love. Hope. Peace. Peace. And that's it. We renounce it. Jesus removes it and receive the Father's blessing. And you can do that anytime. Anytime. Renounce, remove, receive. So part of honoring our discomfort you know, is recognizing the spirits and lies that the enemy has told us that we are entertaining, right? We remove those. Another part of honoring our discomfort is expressing and surrendering our pain to God. Part of living in the divine environment is allowing ourselves to be led by our mama who guides us in that valley. We think about the statements that Mary could have said, and no one would have even blamed her if she would have said, Jesus didn't deserve this. Why are people always picking on my son? Right? She could have said that. And like, people would have been like, yeah, you're right. Why are they? She could have said, where are all his closest friends? Why are so many men total cowards? I guess the women will once again need to step up and handle this again. She could have said that, right? Most all his, his apostles left him, right? In the midst of his passion. Why am I going through this? Why do I have to suffer so many sorrows? I am the mother of God. Why isn't God protecting me from such pain? She could have said that, couldn't she have, right? But she didn't. She didn't say those things. She honored her own discomfort. She united her pain to her son, and she embraced the design. She honored her own discomfort. She united her pain to her son, and she embraced the divine. She looked on her son's wounds and did not feel self-pity, but saw in them the salvation of the world. 
O clement, O loving, O sweet Virgin Mary, pray for us, O Holy Mother of God. So we're going to take a trip into the Valley of Tears. If you're not driving, I just invite you to take a moment and close your eyes. So if you're like doing something like dishes or vacuuming or laundry, could you just pause for a moment? This won't take very long. And just be still. Sit down or lay down, lie down, and just close your eyes. And I want you to envision the Valley of Tears. What do the mountains look like there? Are they snow-capped? Are they very tall? What time of day is it in the Valley of Tears? Nighttime? Daytime? Sunset? What does the temperature feel like? Is it cool? Is it warm? Look across the valley. Someone's approaching you. It's Jesus. He slowly walks up to you and he smiles at you with delight. Then he turns his head and looks right beside you. And you turn your head to see who he's looking at. It's his mama. It's your mama. She's always been there, leading you towards her son. They both gaze at you with total love. Jesus desires to tell you something. Listen. What did he say to you? Remember what he said to you. You can open your eyes now. If you have time today, spend some time with the one who comes to the valley to bring us to the heights. Lean into your Mama Mary as you talk with your Savior today. Rest in the folds of her robe and what he whispered to you just a minute ago. What he whispered to you. Remember, what does that mean for you today? What does it mean for you this week, for you in your life? Mama Mary, show unto us the blessed fruit of your womb, Jesus. Let Jesus gaze at you in this divine environment. Tell him everything. Feel his love and just be held. This is from Luke fifteen thirty one. This is the father's response to the prodigal son's brother was saying, you never give me a goat to party with my friends. The father says back, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. My brothers and sisters, God says this to you. You are always with me and all that is mine is yours. This show is a production of the Spoke Street Media Podcast Network. For more great podcasts, visit SpokeStreet.com.